You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. On this episode, I'm going to talk to you about something very close to my heart, which is all about movement as medicine. This is what I specialized in, in medicine for over 10 years. And prior to that, I worked for an absolute master on the subject, Dr. Rick Marinelli, who was a complete Jedi, uh, naturopathic physician, world-renowned prolotherapist, acupuncturist. The guy could do everything. And I was lucky enough to spend 20 years of my life mentoring under him. I learned a lot. I'm also a chiropractor. I've brought a lot in from my own trainings and my own knowledge. And I have been fortunate enough to treat thousands of patients over the years and put this into play. And so I'm going to share with you today some of my highlights because I had this conversation with my mom the other day and I had it with my husband, both for various reasons. And I thought that you all may want to hear about this too. So on this solo episode, I'm going to be talking to you about how movement overrides pain. This is critical as one in five patients presents to any doctor's office with pain. And I know a lot of you, every time I mention this topic, I get a lot of questions. So let's jump in. First off, I'm going to give you a little physiology lesson, and I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. There are ligaments and there are tendons and there are muscles. Your tendons are the ends of your muscles where they attach to bone. Your ligaments attach bone to bone. So think of the ACL. That's a common ligament that people hear about. That ligament attaches one of your bones to the other bone in your leg at your knee joint. It attaches your femur to your tibia. Not all ligaments are the same. Some ligaments are actually proprioceptive ligaments, meaning they tell you where your body is in space. And some ligaments are really just very elastic rubber bands that are holding your bones together. And so you have a whole series of ligaments around each of your joints. And when these get pulled or stretched, they can become very painful. The tendon is the very collagenous portion that attaches to bone. So you've seen this in pictures. I don't have any to show you, but you you can go look it up. And I'm sure you have an idea of what I'm talking about. Just look at a chicken wing (laughs) and you'll figure it out pretty quick. Where these tendons and ligaments insert onto bone is known as the anthesis. And the anthesis is a highly innervated area where there's a transition area where ligament or tendon become bone. It's not, these are not separate distinct areas where it's like one minute it's tendon, next minute it's bone. There's a transition area. That's known as the anthesis. The cells start to shift and morph and change in that zone. It's highly, highly innervated because your body needs to know what's happening if you're about to rip a ligament or tendon off the bone, if you take the joint too far in one direction. What prolotherapy does, which is what I did for you know the whole 10 years I was in practice and what my mentor did for decades, is you treat at the anthesis. You treat where that ligament or tendon meets bone. It's And you use a variety of different substances. I'm not going to get into prolotherapy, but or regenerative injections. We can do PRP there, platelet-rich plasma. We can do stem cells. We can do a variety of substances. The point is, is it's the region you're injecting that matters. And so a lot of you will go out and get a stem cell treatment and they're just shooting some juice in the joint. Any monkey can do that. It's really getting good at palpating these tender, painful anthesis points and being able to inject with talent and technique in those regions. That is what I think gets the best results. And that's what I did for the entirety of my practice. That's the whole reason I became a naturopathic doctor in the first place. Honestly, I was a chiropractor. I was headed for chiropractics and I sat down with my mentor who I had worked for in the past and uh, been in his world for a long, long time. And he said, you got to do prolotherapy. So, so I did. 
Now, that's just kind of some basic anatomy of the musculoskeletal system. Your cartilage is inside, it lines the joint. There is a synovial sheath that surrounds the, it's a capsule, it surrounds the joint and it holds the synovial fluid. That synovial capsule also is highly innervated and can be very, very painful when it's inflamed. It's called synovitis and it's very common. And when you see synovitis, I know synovitis in a patient from palpation, but I can really tell when my needle traverses the joint capsule, if it's inflamed and thickened. If it is, I guarantee this person is headed for a life of misery. Synovitis is no joke. And it means your entire body is experiencing this. It's, it's not just because you hurt your knee. It is a, it's a real doozer potentially. Now let's talk about your nervous system and how that works. You have two main fibers that register pain in your body. One is a A delta fiber. It's a fiber that's highly myelinated, meaning it has a fatty sheath around it. It's quick to fire. It's sharp shooting pain. It's that zinger you get. That is an A delta fiber. The other fiber that registers pain is called a C fiber. These are small, they are abundant, and they have naked ends. They are naked and hot wire. Think of them as hot wires, naked hot wires. And they are ready to go. And when they fire, it is much more of a dull, nagging. Uh, these respond to temperature changes where hot or cold feels pain, feels painful. They will register itching. But C fibers, I think of as sort of like the dirty little secret that nobody ever talks about. Cause I don't think do- most doctors really understand how C fibers work. And the way that I've understood them to work is they are abundant and they are innervating your skin more than anything, whereas your A-delta fibers are registering pain in a smaller region of the skin. So I think of the I think of the C fibers as sort of having these branches that go out and they're naked and they're ready to go. We have pain that registers peripherally, meaning in the tips of our fingers or the ends of our toes. This is peripheral is out from the body. And then when we go central, that means our spinal cord, our brain, our central nervous system pain over time that is peripheral can actually turn into central nervous system pain. And when you have a central nervous system, it's called wind-up phenomenon. What can happen over time is these pain fibers suddenly start cross-talking with pressure receptors or receptors that register other sensations. And now, and you know, a good example that we we talked about in school is imagine I was pinching my forearm and that feels like a sharp pinching pain. If I was centrally sensitized or I had wind-up pain phenomenon, eventually pressure in that area or even squeezing it would start to register pain, not just pressure, but pain, pain fibers. There's a crosstalk that happens centrally. And this is when things become problematic for people who are in chronic pain. This is when when your nervous system gets crossed. This is when you're dealing with sort of that lifelong chronic pain phenomenon. And that's a really bad place to be. And so we do everything we can to keep people out of that. And I'm going to tell you more about that in a minute. I just want to introduce the concept to you. Here's how I see it. This is like the, if I were to explain this to an eighth grader, when you hurt yourself, when you um, have an injury, your whole body's made out of collagen, but your ligaments and tendons are actually made out of a different type of collagen than say your skin, right? It's all collagen. And so when we eat a clean diet, when we exercise, when we get red light, when we sauna, when we structure our water, when we do all those things, we're actually doing our collagen a huge favor. And that is the difference between people who look their age and people who don't, right? The things that destroy collagen are sugar, you know, a high carbon, uh, ultra 
processed, refined carbohydrate diet, lack of exercise, lack of sunlight, too much sunlight will start to degrade collagen. People who don't get enough sun look just as old and haggard, if not worse, than people who got too much sun. You know, growing up for me in the 70s and 80s, I mean, I was born in 74, but I remember, you know, don't get too much sun, but most people were lean and healthy back then. And so you're, and we were not eating seed oils and a bunch of garbage. And so the biggest concern was, were we, getting too much sun and turning ourselves leathery. Well, now the big concern, you know, they vilified the sun when I was a teenager, a tween, actually. I remember them, my doctor telling me the sun was bad for me and I laughed in her face. I was like, are you kidding me? She was wrong, very wrong. But it did a lot of damage to a whole couple generations of people, not to mention how toxic sunblock is. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I promise I will do an episode. The problem is, is and I do, I do believe we've talked about safe sunning in the past and I'll make sure to link anything in the show notes. The problem is, is that lack of sunlight kind of makes your collagen want to melt. And guess what? Autoimmune diseases, autoimmune disease, all autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, lupus, Sjogren's, psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis is an autoimmune disease, eczema is an immune mediated disease, asthma is an is a basically an autoimmune disease. These are autoimmune, these are diseases where your body is fighting against you. All of those at their core are collagen issues. So when collagen gets damaged, let's say in the we're talking about musculoskeletal pain here. When collagen gets damaged in a say you sprain an ankle, Ligaments and tendons are, they're not very vascular. They don't have a great vascular supply. With ner- with arteries come nerves. So it's nerves, arteries, veins. They all travel together. So anytime you find an artery, you're going to find an adjacent vein and nerve. So it's nerves, arteries, veins always go together. So anything that's not highly vascular is probably not well innervated, but the innervation pattern of a lot of joints are actually proprioceptive going back to the ACL. Your ankles have a lot of proprioceptors in there. Your knees have a lot of proprioceptors. All of your joints have a lot of proprioceptors. Your, your occiput, your, you know, your upper spine, where your cervical spine meets your neck, highly innervated with proprioceptors. These tell your body where they are in space so that you don't go blow it. You don't overstep or over twist or overdo anything, right? It kind of like, you know, if you're riding the ship or not. Otherwise we'd be falling down all the time. When joints start to get injured, it's not just the ligaments and tendons, but even the collagen and the cartilage inside, the cartilage has proprioceptors. When joints start to degrade, pain receptors start to swap their place with proprioceptors. And now your hip joint, I remember when my hip really started going, my right hip, it was as if first I couldn't tell where I was in space and I was wobbly on it. And it was not registering well when I was trying to take steps or do anything that would require good balance. I was like, what is wrong with me? I couldn't balance. That was actually happening due to the proprioceptors in the joint because for various reasons, my hip joint was deciding to get persnickety on me as I was approaching middle age. And they start to swap out with pain receptors. And now all of a sudden, as I went up and down stairs, not only was I wobbly and unstable, but I felt like I was walking on an actual broomstick, And it was just pinpoint pain up into the top of my joint as I walked on that, you know, the edge of a broomstick. It was so painful and it was so specific and it didn't feel like, you know, the ball and socket. It didn't feel like the ball. It felt like one specific part was just drilling into the upper part of my hip joint. Really, really painful. That's because the proprioceptors and the mechanoreceptors and the proprioceptors were all kind of moving around in response to joint degeneration. 
So this is happening throughout our body for various reasons. I'll do another podcast another day about why that happens because it happens for hormonal reasons. It happens because of inflammation reasons. It happens because of immune reasons. It's not as often wear and tear as you would think. We want to say it's wear and tear. And yeah, you can chunk out pieces of your cartilage overdoing repetitive motions. Like if you're a weightlifter or you're an athlete, but most of these joint degenerative issues happen in middle age and they happen because of the shifts that I just mentioned, hormonal, immune, et cetera. Okay, so we've got collagen laying down constantly because the body's always in healing mode, right? And the how well we heal is contingent on how well we eat, how well our immune system functions and a lot of other factors. If we're not in good healing mode, we're pretty much screwed. And that also has to do a lot with our hormonal uh, status, right? If we don't have enough testosterone on board, if we don't have enough thyroid on board, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you won't heal well. If you don't have, again, enough nutrients, that's very, very common for vegans and vegetarians and people who are not ingesting a good, I would say, red meat diet. Red meat is a, a great healing substance, along with the fat and cartilage, if you can get it in there. That's why I love ground beef. It's like, why not get all the stuff without chewing on growth? I don't like chewing on fat and cartilage, <laughs> but it's all ground into the ground beef and it's great. So let's just go back to ligaments and tendons. I know I'm hopping around. Ligaments and tendons have a poor blood supply, so they don't heal well, then they hurt and they don't heal well. And any of you who have sprained an ankle and it's still persisting and it's persnickety, however many years or decades later, you know what I'm talking about. Pretty much everybody has one of these. And the reason being is because without a good blood supply, that collagen can't lay down well and you don't get good regeneration of the tissues because there's just not good blood going there. And so you sprain an ankle, which is usually a ligamentous injury, and it's going to have a real tough time bouncing back, becoming the same elasticity as it was. It might shorten, it might over lengthen, it might blow, it might feel real floppy, and it might fray considerably. I've seen that as well. A lot of fraying in the ligaments is what I've seen under ultrasound. And it's just not structurally competent the way that it was prior to the injury. And that's a real bummer, especially if you're diabetic or you've got metabolic issues, which you guys know, I beat the drum on this all the time. It's because almost 100% of US adults have metabolic syndrome to some degree. What is that? That's prediabetes. And it is such a disaster for your entire body. Someday I should like go tip to toe and just tell you all the impact that the metabolic dysfunction is having on every organ system in the body, but we're not gonna do that today. On the musculoskeletal system specifically, you are gonna have a very hard time healing and you're more prone to infection. I say this because I would not do prolotherapy on a diabetic, a frank diabetic who didn't have well-controlled diabetes because not only do they not heal well, which I think is an ethical dilemma, like why am I gonna charge you a cash procedure? It's not covered by insurance, even if we wanted it to be. Why would I charge for a cash procedure that I know isn't gonna work because a diabetic isn't gonna heal well, especially an uncontrolled diabetic, especially if there's obesity and chronic inflammation involved. They're not gonna heal. And then on top of that, they're way more prone to infection. We saw with COVID, for example, that from the get-go, this is what I have been trying to wave the flag on is really profoundly poor outcomes for diabetics, right? And a paper was just published last week. I'll, I'll get to that another, I'll, I'm going to write about it on my Substack, and I'm probably going to do some content on Instagram about it. Publish paper, uh, I'm sorry, it's still in preprint, Lancet, it's going towards publication. Metformin, now, metformin was helpful at the beginning of the pandemic and nobody wanted to talk about it, but it was helpful for COVID. There was some efficacy being shown. 
Very common anti-diabetic drug. A lot of Americans are on it. It's not always working though because they think, oh, I'll take the pill and eat whatever I want. But in this study, it was showing, this recent study showing metformin was helpful for long COVID. Why would that be? Because long COVID, I guess this whole time, and I've said it a million times on this podcast, is how you go into any illness is how you're going to proceed through and come out the other end. And I very much think that a lot of the long COVID we're seeing is just a side effect of COVID in the body of someone with metabolic syndrome. They've got low-grade metabolic dysfunction. You don't have to be obese. You can be skinny fat. You can be underweight and have metabolic dysfunction. We're getting, we're seeing metabolic dysfunction in these bodies of these people who don't have good muscle mass and don't have good metabolic health. And that is why metformin is helping with long COVID. In fact, I think it was a 42 or 43% improvement in long COVID symptoms with the use of metformin. There's reasons I don't love taking metformin, but heck, it's cheap, it's readily available, and people really should be aware of this because it's helping. But guess what the root cause is? It's not a metformin deficiency. It is because the person has low-grade metabolic dysfunction and they're not healing well in all ways. And now a virus is sticking around and having a heyday in their body. That's that's long COVID. That's, you know, yes, there's mitochondrial dysfunction and all these other things we can point to when it comes to long COVID. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a virus lingering and a body not responding to it appropriately. That's long hauler syndrome. That's post viral syndrome. That's what I struggled with from cytomegalovirus for a decade after I had it and, and longer, you know, that's, that's post viral syndrome in a nutshell. So Let's go back to ligaments and tendons. When your blood sugar is elevated and it's not well controlled in your body and your metabolism is busted, the sugar does not get into the cell appropriately to be used as fuel. It lingers and when it lingers, it caramelizes. So they call these ages advanced glycosylated end products. And these are basically your cells are caramelizing. That's how I explain it to patients. And when your cells start to caramelize, they don't work so well. These ages also set off enzymatic reactions. And if we were to put this in the context of collagen synthesis, when collagen lays down after you have an injury, there's a period where the body stops bleeding. Like first we have to have hemostasis. We have to stop bleeding. Then there is an inflammatory cascade. And each portion of the entire healing cascade, which goes, when we're talking collagen synthesis, goes about 300 days or more. Each portion of that is, is contingent on the one prior going to fruition. So for instance, to get, you know, if phase one is hemostasis, we need hemostasis to go to fruition to get into a good inflammatory phase. And we need the inflammatory phase. This is where all of the chemical messengers come in, all of the cytokines, all of the immune cells, and they communicate and they have a party and it's painful. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like it itches and it hurts. And it's, it's, it's I just went through it. I had a terrible injury in my oblique muscles. I tore my obliques and I was on a heating pad for a week, just down this past week. It was, I'm coming out of it now and I'm sitting up doing this podcast, but I couldn't do anything. I was literally on a heating pad crying because it was so, so bad, right? I needed to have some pharmaceutical intervention in the way of painkillers and muscle relaxants to get through it. And I took as little as possible because we need that inflammatory portion, which lasts about 14 days we need that to go to fruition for the next phase of collagen synthesis and healing to occur. And so what do most people do? What have we been taught? We use ice and NSAIDs. We, we ice it and we use non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, Advil, 
et cetera, to shut down the inflammatory cascade because it hurts and it's uncomfortable and it's red and it's hot and it's terrible. But when you do that and you shut it down, you've just literally shot collagen synthesis in the foot for the next 300 days. You've now brought about subpar collagen synthesis for the remainder of the healing journey of that area. Now, that's not to say a little touch of ibuprofen here and there. I did take a little bit. I was in so much pain. I just needed to sleep. And I knew that my lack of sleep for three nights in a row was going to be far worse on my healing journey than a little bit of ibuprofen. So I took a little bit and I took just one time and got through it. Um, I did use a little bit of ice, but I actually found heat to be more helpful. And I moved around a lot because I was trying to get collagen synthesis going. When collagen lays down, it lays down in a crosshatch pattern. It's mishmash. It's just this crosshatch mess. Now, collagen is really, really strong when it's lined up linearly. When all of those fibers line up parallel to one another, they get super strong and you've got a really good healing potential there. To get those fibers to line up, you have to have movement. You have to have forces of stress along the lines of how the joint would normally move for that mishmash, hatchy mess. It's like a basket weave to line up linearly and be strong and get full, you know, ability to have tension in that ligament. A good example of this is like your Achilles, right? We know that's a long, thick, linear tendon. That, I tore that in July. (laughs) I think all of these are hormonal related. I tore that in July and I knew as that collagen laid down, I was watching it under ultrasound. I was watching it lay down and watching it heal. And it just looked really fuzzy, and kind of blurry actually under ultrasound. And now it looks really linear and strong. And that's because I have been rehabbing it to put forces of tension along those lines so that those fibers would line up linearly. Guess what happens when you have metabolic syndrome? There's an enzymatic reaction created by these ages, these advanced glycosylated end products, these basically the caramelization of your cells. There is a chemical messenger sent enzymatically, which causes really subpar collagen deposition and doesn't really help direct the collagen to line up linearly. It keeps it mishmashy, basket weaved, crosshatched. So there's, I mean, that's just one example of the terribleness that metabolic dysfunction is. Imagine these folks are over time, they're walking around in this pre-diabetic or frank diabetic state, not knowing it or not caring or not doing anything about it. And it's all lifestyle mediated a hundred percent. And they are just laying down subpar collagen constantly as they, their body tries to heal until their entire body is just subpar collagen. And you can tell, you know, folks that are diabetic, they start to look like their tissues are melting because their collagen is literally melting. These advanced glycosylation end products are caramelizing and causing subpar deposition. And so they get jowly and they get, it's not good. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's not a good look. So this is important to understand. So we've got these nerves. Let's go back to the nerves. The C fibers make their way in with this healing attempt. Anytime we have a healing cascade happen, we get an influx of little tiny capillary beds because the body's trying to heal. So it's trying to send in a blood supply to do so. It needs a blood supply to feed it. And so you get this influx, it's called angiogenesis, of a blood supply, blood vessels coming in to feed the region to heal it. There's nothing worse than a region lacking blood. That area is not going to heal, right? That's where you get ulcers and other problems that don't heal. We need a blood supply. And with this comes these C fibers. 
these naked, hot, ready to fire pain fibers that give this dull, naggy, achy, constant pain, which is really, if you have chronic pain, you understand. Sometimes it's sharp and shooting, but for the most part, it's just really annoying and it's really hard to get away from and it's really hard to get into any kind of comfortable position. And that's because we've got these C fibers coming in. And now the net, the mesh net of collagen that I described is not lining up well in many cases because the person's diet is subpar, their metabolic health is dysfunctional, their hormones are off, they're eating ultrafined carbohydrates all the time, they're not giving their body the nutrients they need. And so the C fibers become entrapped in that mesh. So think of it that way. You've got these hot, naked, ready to fire. It's the end of naked wires. You know, it's these hot wires that are naked. They're They've completely impregnated this mesh of collagen that's never gonna line up the way it's supposed to, and it's never going to function the way it's supposed to because the person's walking around with busted metabolic health. And we wonder why so many people hurt. It's not just because they've had injuries. It's because they're not healing well and they're never going to. And your immune system is really, really critical in all of this. It's a huge player. And when you don't have good, healthy, functioning immune status, you don't have a good immune system. This is why any kind of upper respiratory anything or any kind of illness that comes your way is going to be very challenging to fight off or any infectious process, any bacteria, anything that comes your way when your metabolic health is busted, you're going to have a really hard time fighting it off because your immune system isn't working well. Your collagen synthesis is not going well. None of it's going well. And you're looking at these kind of chronic pain scenarios that are all too common. And it's it's quite a mess. Over 50 million people suffer from varying chronic pain conditions. And that was a study in 2012. So we're 13 or sorry, 11 years later. Um, I can't imagine what it looks like now. This was, uh, this lit and in 2012, this led to over $635 billion in healthcare costs. In 2012, they spent $635 billion on chronic pain. Nobody talks about this. I do because this is where my heart was in my practice for so long. This is what I dealt with every day in practice. So, it, I would tell every single patient back then what I'm telling you now. It's because people's metabolic health is busted. And if your metabolic health is busted, your immune system's busted, your hormones are busted, everything's busted. So it all starts with lifestyle modifications. And you know what they are, guys. Sleep, lift weights, eat a high protein diet, stay away from ultra refined carbohydrates. You know, you know the jam. If you don't pick up my metabolic revamp. It's nine bucks right now. The price is going up soon. I want everyone to have it. I I released this uh, early January 2023 at a dirt cheap price of $9 because I want everyone to grab it. There's a 20-page ebook in there describing all of the major factors necessary to get your metabolic health lined up. There's a how I eat recipe guide because so many people ask about how I eat and there's some great beef-based recipes in there. For you vegetarians out there, that's a whole other thing. Uh, I would not treat vegetarians ever because they never healed ever. And I don't say that to be snarky. It's the truth. They don't heal well. They are nutrient deficient and way too many nutrients to count. And it was not ethical for me to apply cash-based procedures that insurance didn't cover when I knew that the person wasn't going to have a good healing response. And so I just wouldn't treat diabetics or uh, frank diabetics, uncontrolled or vegans for that reason. So would the metabolic revamp toolkit help you? Yes, I think so. Just ignore the beef-based recipes, but the principles remain the same as far as all of the things to get your metabolic health in order. So I, I will make that available in the show notes, the link. I hope you guys will grab it before the price goes up. 
So generally speaking, chronic pain undergoes a progressive movement from peripheral tissues to central tissues, meaning the central nervous system, like I described. And this becomes more debilitating and chronic, and then it starts to feed forward itself. Because when you've got these C fibers firing, when you've got um, inflammation going, you end up with you end up with a mess of soup, (laughs) of inflammatory soup. The cells that are involved, the enzymes that are involved, the processes involved, it's an orchestra of communication. It's the the microenvironment that we call it in science. And it's, it's a cellular orchestra. And there's cytokines and there's cofactors and there's intermediates and there's all these things happening. And all of these things are, they feed forward, meaning it's a, it's a, it's a feedback loop, but sometimes it's like the fire started and then the fire potentiates the fire. And all of this can become such a complete miserable mess. And I saw it all the time in practice. I've lived it. I understand. And how do we get out of it? That's really the question, right? So first things first, of course, do all the things I talk about, right? We've got to be eating well. We've got to be sleeping. We've got to be sweating. Sauna is amazing. When you induce heat shock proteins, which is what sauna does, this is why you guys have heard me talk about sauna. And please go back and listen to my episodes. I did one all about chronic illness recently. And my whole strategy there is literally get hot, cook yourself. Because heat shock proteins do so much good for down-regulating that chemical hot mess. It just calms everything down and it helps potentiate the anti-inflammatory benefits that the body has. There's this interesting phenomenon in the body that's working well. In a body that's healthy and working as it's supposed to, you get an inflammatory reaction to certain things like exercise, like heat shock proteins, but your body responds with an anti-inflammatory flood, And so maybe you guys have heard this about antioxidants, that taking antioxidants orally are actually not very helpful. And it's true because your body makes its own antioxidant supply. But here's the cool thing about some antioxidants, blueberries. You guys hear me go on and on about blueberries. I explain in detail why I eat blueberries, why I'm such a super fan of blueberries in my metabolic revamp toolkit. You guys can grab it in there in the what I eat guide. And it's funny because everyone on social media seems to be talking about blueberries suddenly. So clearly it's become popular. I feel like a trendsetter. Blueberries actually have compounds that are irritating enough to the body that, so these antioxidants are actually, I wouldn't say pro-oxidation, but they they actually create almost a hormetic effect where the body responds with an anti-inflammatory flood. So think of it that way. Exercise is the same. Exercise is so cool, you guys. You exercise, your body secretes pro-inflammatory cytokines in response to the exercise in modulated controlled amounts. And then your body responds by creating a flood of anti-inflammatory chemicals in a much higher amount. So the overall net gain is that of an anti-inflammatory status. Those of you who say, I hurt worse after I exercise, I can't get past it something's wrong. You have to look deeper. You have to probably find someone to work with who's in the functional medicine world or who can start really looking at that because you're just not getting that response. You're not getting that rebound response appropriately. You're just ending up with the inflammatory response and it hurts. And I get it. I've been there. I've Man, I have been there. I hear you. So I'm looking at this paper. This is Emerging Relationships Between Exercise, Sensory Nerves, and Neuropathic Pain. It's an awesome write-up. I will link it. It's uh, It was published in 2016, but it's a great 
It's a great paper explaining so much of the physiology in here. It might be over a lot of people's heads. So I'm going to try to explain some of the, some of my favorite parts because it was like somebody took my education and put it into a paper that was, that was explainable. <laughs> so a well-established effect of exercise is its activation of afferent sensory nerves from active muscles to the spinal cord. So when you exercise, you trigger the nerves that lead back to the spinal cord. Um, activity and sensory fibers of working muscles is increased throughout exercise and provides important feedback on the cardiovascular and respiratory systems during physical activity. In fact, exercise leads to an important feedback in all your organ systems, and they respond in favor by creating cellular changes that not only help the organ system, but feed back and help reduce pain. So you're, it's like your body it's not like it is your body craves exercise. It craves movement. So this is one reason why movement alleviates pain. I've shared with you also the anti-inflammatory uh, effect that I just mentioned. So we've got a couple of things adding up here. Studies show or now demonstrate that molecular and cellular changes in your dorsal root ganglions, sensory neurons can be induced by exercise. So we can actually get the nervous system to respond in a favorable way that helps reduce pain just simply by moving. There's also another mechanism here, pain, temperature, and mechanoreceptors all basically run together. And you moving, moving overrides pain simply by default of affecting the same, the spinal thalamic tract. So it, the simple version is movement overrides pain, quite literally in your, in your cord, in your spinal cord, there's crosstalk and movement will override the pain response. So there's another way it works. If you are an aging person, you know this well, if you don't keep moving, you're going to lose it. And so every elderly patient that I took care of, every geriatric person in my life that's active, they all have pain and they all say the same thing. If I don't keep moving, I'm going to die. They know it. And so they would get hurt gardening or whatnot and they'd come in and I would treat them. And really it's not, as we age, we're not trying to have 100% pain reduction. We're really just trying to harm reduce. We're trying to have the most benefit that we can and just turn our pain down, right? We're just trying to turn down the dial a few notches so we can handle it. Every, almost every aged person in my life and in my practice, I'm no longer in practice, but all of them had some level of pain. You learn to live with it and you mitigate it. And all of them that were successful in aging, who kept good body weight, who had low comorbidities and low disease processes, all of these folks had one thing in common. They knew if they stopped moving, they were going to die. And I'm talking to my mom the other day and I said, you know, when I exercise, sometimes it flares my autoimmune disease if I do it too much or I get these injuries and I end up hurting myself worse. But I'll tell you, I'll take the pain and soreness from just the regular day-to-day -day pain and soreness from exercise over the pain of inactivity any day. The pain of inactivity is grueling and nagging and you can't get away with it or from it. But at least with lifting weights and being active, aside from the injuries I've had recently, again, I think those are hormonal and I'm working on it, but at least that kind of pain is manageable. It's, it's within my control and it's like a whole different flavor. It's like chocolate versus vanilla 
I can't explain it. And any of you listening who do, who get this, get it. But those of you who are inactive and are in pain, who don't exercise at all, you guys don't have any clue what I'm talking about because you're just living with that chronic, dull, nagging pain, which I think is being driven by the C fibers. It's called sclerotogenous pain. That's the official term. It sucks and it makes you crazy. It's maddening. And I'm telling you, the first step out of it is to move. And I will say this, and I, I did a whole podcast on this in the past, and I'll have my producer link it up. It hurts before it gets better. It gets worse before it gets better oftentimes. And I think that's because we're cleaning out that cellular milieu, all that gunk. We're getting that collagen to activate. And so it can be a little bit of a hurdle to get over the hump. But I promise you, if you start slow and low and you start with controlled movements, I highly encourage walking as step one. If that's too painful, get in a pool and move. But we got to get moving. The problem with pools is they're usually public. And if you have If you're really diabetic or you're really obese and having issues with healing, we don't want to be sharing a lot of people's germs. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. So be careful of hot tubs. They're pretty germy places due to the warm water environment. But a lot of these rehab pools are warm. And so we don't want to go in with like open sores on our feet, et cetera, because I know some folks that listen to the show are struggling with this. And so it happens when you become diabetic and you don't control it, right? You get sores that don't like to heal. And so that can be a real, I mean, that's a real bummer. And that's a real downward spiral, you guys. And we don't want to have that. So before you get there, which is the bulk of my audience, before you get there, I never would wish that upon my worst enemy, get your shit together and make sure that you stay active so that you are having all of these benefits. The exercise benefits are not only limited to the periphery, they also display a substantial value to the central nervous system, which I talked about. And a lot of this has to do with bidirectional pain signaling and the different molecules and the transmission involved there. So without going into it, just know that you're having a positive impact on your central nervous system at its core, at the way that it signals and communicates to downregulate pain. There's a little gate in your spinal cord and when you hurt yourself, that gate opens and it lets the pain signal through and then it goes up to the brain and the brain shoots down pain. But you can shut that gate. You can literally make sure that you can modulate the gate, let's say that. And that happens through movement and through exercise. And that is why I'm a huge fan of it. That We can take all the supplements in the world. We can use heating pads. Lord knows I love my heating pad. We can do all the things. We can get treated passively at the doctor's office. But if we're not doing our part by eating really, really well to supply that nervous system, those muscles, those cells, that immune system with really good high quality nutrients, and we're not moving then what's the point of getting any therapy, right? It's just a mess. Additionally, in the brain, exercise increases endogenous opioids. So we all know that, right? We talk about the runner's high, which is a combination of perhaps the opioid response along with the adrenaline response, along with all kinds of good things. Um, It also increases BDNF, which is like miracle grow for your brain, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, meaning it causes neuronal growth. This is how people stay young in the brain and how they stay away from dementia. It's one of the mechanisms is having a really healthy shot of BDNF constantly. Another way to get BDNF and to get a lot of these benefits is through sauna. You've heard me say this and I have, again, several episodes about sauna. Sauna, think of it as an exercise mimetic, meaning it mimics exercise. Now I would never say do it in place of, but I do know the pain of being so down, like so sick so chronically ill or in so much chronic pain that you can't move 
that's where sauna comes in. So you bet when I hurt myself last week, I was on a heating pad, but you bet I was in the sauna constantly because I was trying to mimic exercise because I was unable, I couldn't even go for a walk, you guys. It was so bad, (laughs) but it's healing beautifully because I got active. I did not sit back and say, oh no, I'm injured. I'm just going to lay here. I did a lot of laying because I literally had no choice, but any opportunity, any window I got in there, you bet I was trying to get some movement in. I was drinking bone broth. I was eating really well. And I was making sure to get tons and tons of high quality, good animal-based protein so that I would heal well and all the nutrients, right? Brightly colored vegetable or plants, I would say um, fruits. I don't really eat much plant life. I eat a lot of fruits. I eat brightly colored fruits, berries, et cetera, but you get what I'm laying down here. So let me talk to you about your brain a little bit. Here's a little side, but also it makes sense. I I know I'm all over the place, but there's a lot of factors. And without getting too nerdy, I'm trying to give you, again, the eighth grade version. In your brain, you have microglial cells. And your microglial cells, think of them as your immune system of your brain. In your body, when you get sick, you have different immune cells that are supposed to orchestrate and activate. And they have a a uh, self-dampening system Now, when this self-dampening system is out of whack, which is it is in many autoimmune patients, we get a hot mess. But for a healthy individual, you're going to have a checks and balances in the body. So something turns on and before it gets too crazy and turns into a cytokine storm, your immune system comes in and says, the other parts of your immune system and says, hey, we're going to quiet it down, buddy. We're going to get this under check. Guess what those molecules, where they come from? They're called myokines. They come from healthy muscle that's activated through movement. Myokines are cytokines that are anti-inflammatory. And so a lot of your checks and balances system in your body comes from myokines. But in the brain, we have these microglial cells and when they're on, they're on. There's no checks and balances. So when your immune system in your brain activates, it activates. And that's not That's great short-term, it's not great long-term. And unfortunately, these microglial cells become primed quote unquote primed, meaning maybe if you quiet them down through a variety of good living options, good nutrients, good sleep, good meditation, you know, quiet the inflammation in the brain down. I call it brain on fire. You get that under control. Um, They're now primed and they're ready to fire off again which is such a bummer. So it's super easy to get them hyper excitable again. They can become primed from a lot of reasons. They can become primed from chronic stress. They can become primed from chronic metabolic disease. They can become primed from too much estrogen. Birth control is a known microglial cell primer. They can become primed from trauma. That's a big one. So you might many of you might relate to this story. Saw this a lot in practice. Person gets in a car accident. It's not a huge deal. Or maybe it is. Maybe they rolled over seven times and they seemingly are unscathed. They walk away from it. They've got some bruises. Maybe they have some serious trauma, but they heal and they're okay and they don't go into chronic pain. And then all of a sudden, many years later, for whatever reason, maybe they just had a baby and their estrogens, you know, their hormones are out of flux, or maybe they are on the birth control pill, or maybe stress is really high, or maybe they just got over COVID or influenza or something and their body is really in a hyperactive state immunologically. And then they get bumped at like 30 miles per hour. They get rear-ended, not a big deal. And boom, something shifts, a switch gets thrown and they are in chronic pain from that point forward. I've seen this so many times in clinic. This is that central sensitization phenomenon. This is that wind-up pain. And this is a real mess to try to get out of. 
What's happening there is a lot of things, but one of them being is microglial cell activation. Once those microglial cells are lit up, they are very challenging to turn down. And in this case, we've got a lot of neuroinflammation. A lot of this is coming from crappy diets, toxicity in the environment, vaccinations, you know, on and on. So um, some things that actually help with microglial cell hyperactivation or brain on fire syndrome, as I call it, is exercise. That's a huge one. Sauna is a huge one. Vitamin D is very helpful in this. Interestingly, what is the treatment of choice in the United States when someone has chronic pain? They usually get put on opioids, right? Opioid drugs. I know that it's not as popular today, but when I was just starting out in practice, they really believed opioids were fairly benign and we needed to treat aggressively. I was taught by my mentor, just a little pearl for you guys. If you ever do have a surgery or you have something where, you know, the pain is so pronounced, like I really could have used a Vicodin when I had this back injury last week. I really, I didn't have any on hand, but I really could have used one. Um, my mentor taught me to dose aggressively and dose early and get off of them because we are dealing with this microglial cell situation and we are dealing with the central nervous system, whether, and we are dealing with the immune system, to be honest, if, if you want to get down to it. So if your doctor says take two twice a day, I highly encourage you to listen to your doctor, but get off those things as quickly as possible. So for me, what I do, I'm not going to give you medical advice, but what I do is I take them, like say I have a, I haven't had a surgery, knock on wood, but say I have a severe injury or I have something, you know, maybe I have an injection and it's very inflamed for a few days that happens with PRP and with stem cells sometimes. I will do the dose that I'm prescribed for a day or two and then I get off of them. And that seems to be how opioids work best. But here's the clincher. Guess what happens when you're on chronic opioids? So you get sent to a pain clinic, you get referred to a pain clinic. That's basically your doctor's way of saying, I give up, you're going to go on a life of opioids. Guess what uh, opioids do in the brain long-term? They upregulate microglial cell activation. So they literally, it's like pouring lighter fluid on this fire. This already primed microglial cells, these, these cells are already firing off. They're already creating a ton of inflammation in the brain because there's no checks and balances up there. And now we're throwing further exacerbation on top of it. And we wonder why chronic opioid use doesn't work so well. It's a bummer. So, okay, a couple other things I want to hit you with before we go. Exercise, again, I want to reiterate this. Exercise induces low-grade inflammation in a healthy body. It's going to be controlled, but the body responds in favor by throwing a wave of anti-inflammatory molecules at it. So, yes, again, you might hurt short-term, but the long-term benefits are additive and are going to get you further faster. If you are having a tough time starting out, I understand, but find somebody who can help you. I have a program I will list it in the show notes. It's a strength training platform. You can join. It's 20 bucks a month. It's super easy, super straightforward strength training exercises. And they are built around my own experience, right? I have a ton of experience in rehab. I am a chiropractor. I have a ton of experience in high-level Pilates. And I have a ton of experience strength training with high-level coaches. Like I have been, I have been getting excellent coaching the entire time I've been strength training, except for a short period of time when I started and hurt myself. <laughs> and I've never made that mistake again. So for the past eight or nine years, I've been working with somebody two times a week religiously, getting really, really high level coaching. And so I've learned a thing or two. And I basically, I joke that my strength training platform is really just like little old lady workouts. 
because they are. I modify them so that virtually anybody can do them. And I used to say, as long as you can get up and down off the floor, you're welcome to join. I'm going to take that back and I'm going to say, give it a try. What do you got to lose? 20 bucks, right? Give it a try because a lot of these can be done just simply with a bench or an ottoman, you know, something to support yourself with. So I want to make sure that people are moving and, and getting a good, getting a good, uh, getting a good pump. No, getting a good strength training movement in a couple times a week is going to have profound impacts on your overall pain for various reasons, not just the central nervous system, not just the peripheral nervous system, not just the inflammatory markers, not just, you know, what's happening at a collagen level of synthesis, all of it. You get all of it. It's it's beautiful. And I think it's really well done when you do, when you add strength training in. Cardio, running, cycling, anything like Orange Theory, um, CrossFit, it's too ballistic. It's too metabolic for a lot of people. So I'm not a fan. I do my slow and low strength training. I feel better. I lose weight. I feel awesome. And I want to take you guys with me. So you can join me in that if you want to. The link will be in the show notes. Oh, T-cells. This is really important. T-cells are the second phase of your immune system and they are what's responsible for immune memory. It's one of the things. One of the problems with the current situation that we are in is that with the pharmaceutical intervention that's happening throughout the world for the current situation is we're not seeing awesome T-cell responses. So these folks are getting acutely after they get the therapy, they are getting abundance of antibodies built, which is great in the short term, but then those wane and now they're not protected anymore. And in fact, there might be some immune dysregulation happening, but the T cells are not doing their job because they're not really getting activated by the intervention. With natural immunity, you get a beautiful T cell response and a T cell memory. And so the next time my body sees Omicron, it's like, hey, we got this. We've seen this before. So my second round with the CUFID was very mild in comparison to the first. It was weird, but it was super mild in comparison to the first round because I have awesome T cells working in my favor. Now, for those of you who get sick all the time and you get everything that comes around, I'm going to guess that you're probably having some problems with your T cells. And anytime I get, I get this, you'd be surprised how many of my friends struggle with this and reach out to me and say, I just can't kick this cold. Now, maybe the CUFID did something to their immune system or maybe having a bad flu or maybe, who knows, maybe their immune system's on the struggle bus, but I always tell them the same thing, eat more meat and lift weights. That's always my answer. And they get so sick of hearing it. They want me to tell them there's some special formula or some supplement I sell or some thing they can do. And I'm like, just eat more meat, eat more beef and lift weights. Nine times out of 10, those people are frail. Straight up, those people are dealing with a level of frailty and low muscle mass. They might look good in their clothes. They might look good in a bikini, but their frailty is impacting their immune response. And I think it's the T-cell response. I don't have specific data on this. I will look into frailty and T-cells if I can find it. But a lot of the stuff I'm sharing with you right now, if you even if you go look at this paper that I'm staring at, there's just not a lot of studies on this stuff. Like when it comes to pain and exercise, not a lot of studies. When it comes to the more abstract stuff that, we deal with clinically, there's there's not a lot of studies. So there's not like a gold standard to go to all the time. And my gold standard is eat more beef and lift weights. Nine times out of 10, people's immune systems perk right up. So the ability 
of T cells to provide inflammatory responses is actually contingent on exercise. So we get these increases in certain interleukins when we are exercising that are able to decrease the expression of the pro-inflammatory cytokines. So remember that wave of anti-inflammatory I said comes in? That's this. And in turn, it increases the ability of T cells to provide inflammatory responses. We need that. We need our T cells working. So exercise and sauna, interestingly, have an impact on these different aspects of our immune response that are necessary and they need to be concerted, meaning they need to work in concert. So that's it. That's what I wanted to share with you. We are focusing on collagen synthesis, which is just the healing cascade 101. You need good metabolic health. You need good collagen, meaning, oh, here's another big one, big take home. If you don't eat enough collagen, you can't make collagen. So for you vegans and vegetarians out there, I do not know what to tell you because there is not collagen in plants. Some people want to argue with me, but I'm happy to go toe-to-toe on that one. There is not collagen synthesis coming out of your plant ingestion. You need to eat collagen and collagen occurs in other animals. So collagen synthesis is huge, but you need to eat it and consume it in order to make it. I do have a great collagen product called Daily Collagen. I love it. It's it's crazy how much my husband's knees respond to it. He's a electrician. He's going up and down ladders all day. He's working out in the cold environment and his knees sometimes will just ache from it. The kneeling, the climbing, you know, he's almost 50. So he always says when he takes that collagen religiously, he's always like, you know, my knees feel a lot better. So there you go. There's his testimonial. But the daily collagen is great. I love the supplementation aspect of it. It's just added. Think of it as added bonus. It's not in replacement of. If you are a vegan or vegetarian, that's the one thing, if I could get a vegetarian to compromise with me and ingest some collagen, I would consider treating them because we got to have the collagen to make the collagen, right? And then consider your nervous system. I tried to explain it as simply as possible. It gets way more complicated than that. If, you got, if you're a neurologist and you want to argue with me, uh, please understand I, I'm trying to explain this in like junior high terms, (laughs) because it's complicated. I'm simply trying to get your mechanoreceptors to override your pain receptors. I'm trying to get the C fibers to not be so pissed off. We don't want them locked up in mishmash collagen. That's healing subpar. We, that, that is being fed by metabolic dysfunction. We want that collagen lining up because we're moving, which means we're lining it up against the forces, right? Linearly. And then we're healing well because we're eating really well and our blood sugar is regulated. And then our C fibers actually distribute themselves appropriately and fire appropriately instead of hyper firing. I didn't even get into that. There's this whole concept too of where the nerves just fire off excessively. And that's a whole other thing. But imagine you, if you will, you've got metabolic dysfunction, you've hurt yourself, and now you're sedentary and you're not doing anything. Um, That's a real mess, as you can imagine, based on everything I just explained. And then we actually want to move the muscles because we want to secrete myokines. We want to flex the muscles and put them to work because those myokines are anti-inflammatory, as well as creating an inflammatory response to which the body itself in a healthy individual is going to respond with a healthy anti-inflammatory response. These are all just several mechanisms at work. And I'm sure I mentioned a few more. So I hope this was helpful. Go back and listen to it again. I know it's a little bit all over the place. I'm trying to give you a lot of different physiology lessons here crammed into a short period of time. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review, rate it on your favorite podcast player and 
Send us any questions you have at podcast at drtina.com. Let us know if you're interested in any other subjects in addition to, and then subscribe. And the best place to subscribe, of course, is your favorite podcast player. But if you subscribe on my Substack and consider becoming a paid subscriber, your contribution really helps me keep things going and moving forward. And that subscription though, even if you're a free subscriber, it will make sure that you get emailed each new episode as they come out. So you can find that over on my Substack page and I will make sure that you have all the links. I appreciate you all and I wish you well. Get your buns moving. As my mentor would always say, move your buns around if you want to heal. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Do you suffer from IBS or other digestive issues? Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes the all-new health and nutrition podcast, Digest This, hosted by Bethany Ugardi. You may know Bethany as the face of the popular Instagram page, Lil Sipper, or you may have even read her book. Now you can find her wherever you get your podcasts. On Digest This, Bethany examines topics such as gut health, nutrition, the food industry, and highlights specific ingredients that can be beneficial or harmful to your gut health. She also explores non-toxic options in beauty, home, and cooking essentials. If it has to do with your health, Digest This is talking about it. Each episode features an interview with health experts, doctors, and wellness advocates and delivers you information that is... Well, easy to digest. Bethany also delivers a weekly segment every episode called Bite of Knowledge, where she highlights an ingredient commonly used in food, skincare, household cleaning, you name it, and gives you the lowdown on the benefits or dangers that ingredient might have in your everyday life. From Botox, potassium, olive oil, and magnesium, all the way to those ingredients you can barely pronounce on the back of your cereal boxes, Bethany has you covered. There's a reason why it debuted at number two on Apple Podcast Nutrition Charts. Check out Digest This on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.